scripture memory verse this week, James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. James 4, 7. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God, or submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. Good job. Anybody else? James 4, 7. Remember James. James' nickname is Camel Knees. He was Jesus' half-brother, and <clears throat> he never believed in Jesus before Jesus' death, burial, and then resurrection. And then he prayed so much afterwards that he had calluses on his knees from the hot sand, and they called him Camel Knees, which is pretty amazing. So therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, here's the big trick, is that the devil always tricks you into focusing on the sin. The devil always tricks you into resisting the sin, resisting the devil, resisting your flesh, resisting the world. But notice that God says, submit to him first. So your focus needs to be on submitting to God. Listen to me, that's what's so important here, is the order here that's going on. Remember last week's verse? Last week, Stephen, with the big indictment against the fathers of the faith, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes, in, in Acts 7.51, what did he say? He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Now look here. This is where God's saying, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, we're not supposed to be resisting the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be resisting the devil. We receive what God is giving us to do and then resist the devil as we stand with God. But notice here, James 4, 7, he says, therefore, anytime there's a therefore, you have to look back and see what it's there for, right? Crazy yeah. old pun that pastors use. And he's really talking about the pride of a man's heart in chapter 4 here. You know, he had, he, had, he had left about the earthly central demonic wisdom compared to the, the uh, uh, wisdom that comes from above that's peaceful. So we have two different kinds of wisdom we can have from God or from the world. And then he goes on to talk about, and I can't really cover all of it. I don't want, for the sake of time, I want to be pretty quick here. You have to go back and read chapter 4. But he talks about the pride of a man's heart, the character of a man's heart, and how the heart is focused upon pleasure. The heart is focused upon self. The heart is doing what it wants to do. And it causes all of these wars and battles and things that go on around you. It causes all the problems in life when you're focused on self. And he says in 4, look at this, at 4, 4, 4, he says, Adulterers and adulteresses. Remember that from Mark 7? Mark 7 said that's one of the characters of our heart. Jesus sees that we're adulterers. That's really spiritual adultery, where we're chasing after other things. We're desiring other things other than desiring God. He said, do you not know, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship, fellowship, friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen to me. When you begin to do what the world is doing, and you're following flesh and the world and Satan, your three enemies, when you're following, when you're following what everybody else is just doing naturally, you make yourself an enemy of God. When you follow the systems of this world, 1 John 5, 19, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. When you're following that and becoming a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you see that? There's only two places. Either we're following God or we're following the devil. 
either we're friends with God or we're enemies with God. It's that simple. There's not a whole bunch of other places to be. In verse 5, he says, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain? Do you think the Scriptures ever say anything empty or in vain? That's what empty means. Without purpose. The Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Now, he's talking to believers. So the Spirit of God who is in us, who is trying to sanctify us and conform us into the image of Christ, is jealous because our hearts are focused upon the world. Our hearts are focused upon self. Our hearts are not focused upon godly things, but we're still focused upon living for self. And that's what he was saying to, in, in Acts chapter 7:51 to those leaders who were supposed to be worshiping God, living for God, helping others understand God. He said, you're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. And you always resist the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a moment. If the power of the blood saves us and the power of the Holy Spirit conforms us, why would we resist the power of the Holy Spirit? And yet that's exactly what they were doing. The one who would speak to them and conform them and train them and teach them and guide them. They were rejecting that and following earthly, central, demonic wisdom as opposed to following God. Look what it says here in 4.6, but he gives more grace. Isn't that amazing? Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. God still loves us. God still pursues us. And he says, but he gives more grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Therefore, he says... God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Listen, grace is available if you humble yourself. If you humble yourself, bring yourself low and say, wait a minute, I need to repent of this. I need to humble myself. I need to bow down myself, my pride, what I think is right, this earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom, our hearts, lay it down, and, and, and not be proud before God. We don't want God to resist us. Notice the word is there again, resist. See, if you resist God, he'll resist you. But if you bow your heart low before God and you come to him, he'll give you grace to the humble in heart. And that's what sets us up for this. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So our focus must be on doing what? Submitting to God. Now that's a military word, submit. It's hupotasso. Hupo means to abide under the authority of God. Hupotasso. It means to abide under the authority of God. To subordinate yourself. To obey. It means to come into subjection to God. We are either consciously submitting ourselves, coming underneath the authority of God's word and God's kingdom, listening to God's spirit, or we're resisting God's spirit. Listen to me. And if we're resisting God's spirit, we're obeying the devil. So there's only two places to obey. Either we obey the devil or we obey God. Either we resist the devil or we're resisting the Holy Spirit. There's only two spirits that's trying to control you. The spirit, a demonic spirit, or the Spirit of God who says, I freely give you everything you need for life and godliness, but you have to come and submit. Now listen to me. This is a big word, hupotasso. It's a hard word for Christians. It's a hard word for Christians. I'm not talking about a hard word for people in the world. They absolutely don't want to submit. But listen to me. This word is used all the way through the Bible. This word is it's paramount for your survival as a Christian. Jesus submitted to his earthly parents. See, listen, and you can't say, well, okay, I'll, I'll submit to God. I'll submit to God. And then not submit to the authorities that he's placed in your life. Mm-hmm. See, he's put all these authorities in your life. He's put the word of God, the spirit of God. He's put himself as the authority, but in that authority, what did he do to train your heart? He put earthly parents. 
He put earthly judges. He put earthly people. He put, he put different people in your life. You have to listen to your, to your parents. You have to listen to the government. You, you need to listen and submit. Hupotasso. Find your place where you, who, is, who is over me? Who is my spiritual leaders? Yes to God. But God put other parameters to train your heart to obey. Now, if they don't obey the word of God and they tell you to do something that's against the word of God, that interferes with you obeying and submitting yourself to God, then you can resist them. But listen to me. If you submit to God, let me, let me read the word to you again. Hupotasso, to subordinate, to obey. But you cannot, you cannot submit to God and resist all the other authority in your life. You have to know that, that the fifth commandment, honor thy parents and their mother, their father and their mother, is the first commandment with a promise. What's that promise? That you will live long in the land. See, when you don't listen to the training of a parent, then you become a rebellious heart and it ends up in death. That's why we have parents that are supposed to parent us, train us, teach us the way we're supposed to go. So that as we get older, our heart is already trained to follow and obey governing authorities. To follow and obey the, the ones that we're supposed to submit under. And then you resist the devil. Now this is a different word than Acts 7.51. In Acts 7.51, if you remember, uh, uh, you always resist the Holy Spirit. That word had the root, it means to oppose and resist, but it had the root of anti. It's where we get the word antichrist from. It's resist, resist, antichrist. But listen to this. When you resist the devil, it means to stand against him, to oppose him, to withstand him. It's not the same word as anti, because he's not the opposite. And it's not like you anti the devil, when you submit to God, now you can walk freely and resist the devil. You can stand against him. Why? Because truth is with you. You're standing with God. Now, I want to go over and look at this. Because if you're withstanding and standing with God, look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Well, let's, look at it. Let's, let's start a little bit deeper. Let's go to Ephesians 5. I want you to see this. Listen, because this is very difficult for the church. This We're living in the age of judges where everybody does what's right in their own eyes and there's no king in the land. But if Jesus is king, then he has given us quite specifically authority to follow. And there is no authority according to Romans 18 except that which is from God. And if we reject authority... Which you see it, chaos in the streets today. Lawlessness will abound. They're rejecting authority. They're rejecting the boundaries. See, there's ways to come and have grievances against uh, the, the, the established government. And there's wrong ways and there's right ways. And there's courts that are open that you can file lawsuits. You can file grievances. You can, you can actually deal with these things. You can get elected to office and you can change laws. You can change things so that they're not wrong if you think they're wrong. But we have to follow the laws that are on the books. Now listen to me. I just want you to see this. In Ephesians 6, we're told to, and uh, 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, that is, resist the wiles of the devil. Stand against, withstand the wiles of the devil. But why do I tell you that? That's the end of the line there. Watch this. five Ephesians 5, 21. What does it say? Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Listen, listen. This is so important that we understand that God has already given us a master plan. Actually, he says, he says we need to wake up. In 5.14, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand 
what is the will of the Lord. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, don't resist the Spirit of God. That's where your power comes from. That's where your strength comes from. That's where you're teaching and leading and guiding. That's the one that's sanctifying and cleansing you. And yet the church sits around and resists the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God himself dwelling in our hearts. He's living in our hearts. And he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name, under the authority, the character, the nature, and the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, submitting. Here we are again, hupotasso. I got a point here. Watch this point. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. You and I understand that God has given authority in the church. So there's a place to submit to one another. Well, how does that look, Greg? Well, the next verse in 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. So wives should be submitting to their own husbands. Well, what about husbands? Husbands, verse 25, love your wives. That's what submission looks like for a husband. He's submitting to God and loving his wife as Christ also loved the church. Listen, how did he love it? He gave his life up. That was Christ submitting to God's plan, the Father's plan. That's how he submitted. See, Christ was our example of submission. He submitted to the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption. He submitted even to the point of death on the cross. Notice this. So we submit to one another. There's a general submission. Then wives submit to husband. The husbands submit uh, to God and love your wives. And then look at 6.1 of Ephesians. Children, submit, obey your parents. And that's where he tells you the fifth commandment, that it's the first one with promise. And then he says in verse 5, bond servants, submit to your own masters. Listen to me, that's like kind of workers today submit to your employer. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's an order in this. We have to find out who we're under. Where's he at now? We're in Ephesians 6. That was Ephesians 6, 5. Bond servants, be, be obedient or submit to those who are masters according to the flesh. And then you move all the way forward. And you get to finally. That's where he's finally. First he lays out. There's no way to withstand and resist the devil if you don't understand that God has placed authority in the planet. God has placed authority in the family. God has placed authority in the universe. God has placed authority in the church. And if you have no heart to submit to God, there's no way to resist the devil. If your heart stays rebellious, then it isn't saved at all. It isn't delivered. We have to learn. We have to make ourselves submit. We have to beat our body into subjection. Same word. Beat our body into submission and say, no, no, no. I've been called to serve God, and now I'm going to submit to God and resist the devil. Well, first you have to understand who is my authority. And then you begin to submit to that authority. And all of that authority comes from God. And if that authority that comes from God tells you to do something that is evil, tells you to do something that God wouldn't have you do, then you can resist that authority. But if you resist that authority and it's telling you to do things that are godly, then you're resisting the Holy Spirit and the work of God in your life. He says, finally, brethren, this is Ephesians 6.10. We call it the spiritual armor. See, once you've understood who the authority is in your life, and you've appropriated those, and you've stopped being rebellious, you're submitting to God. Now you can stand in that submission with Christ with you, the truth with you, and you can put on the whole armor of God, and you begin to put on Christ. You begin to have godliness. You begin to stand against and withstand the wiles of the devil. See, there's no way 
to resist the devil so that he will flee if you don't first submit to the authority that God has placed in your life. And the authority starts with God. And then it's the blood of Jesus. And then it's the word of God that the Holy Spirit is using to wash and cleanse us. Then it's your earthly parents. Then it's their spiritual leaders in the church. There's spiritual there, there, there's actual physical leaders on your job. Uh, the judges, the police. See, we're resisting the police. We want to tear it down. Get rid of the police? Really? I thought they were the authorities. Get rid of the judges. That's the one that's allowing the police to be attacked. If you're going to get rid of somebody, maybe we need to replace some of these justices that are allowing this to go on in our streets. But the police are trying to protect us. Is there some bad police? Probably. There's some bad doctors, too. You want to get rid of all the doctors? There's some bad people out there canning peas. You want to get rid of all the people canning peas? You won't be able to eat. So you have to slowly weed those out. You can't just get rid of all the pea canners. Or you won't have any peas. Right? You find out which one they're not following the authority of what's been laid out. And you begin to weed them out. But it's obvious what's going on. We've ignored God. We're resisting God. We're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts. And, and, and the whole planet, even the church, is resisting God. Now, I don't say that emphatically because God's always got a remnant of people that are trying to submit to him. Trying to follow what he has left and what he's asked us to do. And none of us can do it perfectly, but we can do it together. We can keep one another accountable. But since the church is resisting God, resisting the Spirit, most of the church right now is actually running with the wisdom of the world. We would rather follow the American dream than follow the Holy Spirit. We would rather have all of our toys and think we're okay and the devil is deceiving us. How many people do we sub see submitting to one another? How many people do we see submitting to one another? Where is the modeling of this at? Listen, that's why it says wives submit to your husbands. Because that's modeled in the home. It's supposed to be a pattern of, of Christ and the church. And when the, when the child growing up in the home sees the wife submitting to the head, husband, then they understand that there's authority. But the husband has to be loving the wife, so he is submitting to his head, God. That's what the Bible teaches. And as the kids see that, they learn submission. They learn authority. And when the kid is not honoring and obeying, they get a good little spanking. And when they get a spanking, you don't kill that kid when you beat him with a rod, but you deliver his soul from hell. You deliver his soul from rebelling against authority for the rest of his life. And this is all a pattern that's supposed to be laid out in the family. And that's why the devil attacked marriage and family in Genesis 3, because it's all a type and a picture of the family of God. Why do people... Why do people go out and join clubs? Why are clubs, like, like, like the lodges and all these clubs and stuff, why are they so popular? Because people come from crazy, messed up families, and they want to belong to something. They want to feel like they belong to something that's got rules that they can follow, and they get to be a part of enforcing. And it's all because God has placed in us a heart of family. Why do people join gangs? The same reason. Gangs are there because these people grew up with no family, nowhere to belong to, and they will go kill somebody to belong to a gang. Well, what are they doing in the gang? They're following the rules. They're following the standards. They're following the authority of the gang to be part of a family. And Christ come and died and poured out his blood so that we can be part of his family and be delivered back to the authority of God again. Be brought back into a proper family. We would know that we belong. We feel a koinonia love for one another. And that's why the church is supposed to be meeting together. There's supposed to be a family that takes care of one another. And we have all things in common. And we're all obeying the authority of God. 
People join the lodge. They join bingo clubs. They join gangs. They join all of these things. They go join the, 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 the fitness club because they want to belong to something. But they don't want to join God. They don't want to submit to God. They want to keep resisting God. And they won't even join the church. They won't become part of the church. They resist the Holy Spirit. Because you can't be part of God's family if you resist Him. Because then He will resist you because of your pride. He only gives grace. How are we saved? By grace, through faith. That not of yourself, that is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And if you don't submit and, and, and bow down and bring yourself low and say, Lord, I want to be part of your family. I believe in your son and his blood. You don't receive the grace of God. But once you do, listen, once you receive the grace of God and you've, you've asked him into your heart and you believe in the blood of Jesus, now there's just this, there's this just obvious elephant in the room. The next thing to do is what? Submit to him. He's doing everything good for us. There's nothing that he does that's bad. It might hurt. It might be painful. But he's going to deliver us across the finish line. We've come into a family with a good father who loves us, who would send his son. Listen, he sent his only son. Listen, to provide an atoning sacrifice so that we could be part of his family again. That's how good he is. He would take his only one prized possession and he would say, you know what? I want to have a love relationship with them. I want them to be with me for eternity. I want them to live with me. I want them to have a heart that would be trained by my spirit, led by my spirit, conformed into my image, and I want to give them all the riches of heaven. I want to give them an inheritance, a hope, a future. How does he do it? He becomes his son and he dies. He listens to the Holy Spirit and he obeys even to the point of death on a cross. He becomes our kinsman redeemer is what the Bible teaches. He becomes akin to us, related to us, part of us so that we can become part of his family. He became altogether like us so that we can become altogether like him. But you cannot do it unless you submit. Part of submitting is confessing that we haven't been submitting. We haven't been obeying. We haven't been putting ourselves in subjection to the Father, to His Word, to His Spirit. Listen to me. This gets me excited because I grew up without a family. I grew up without a father. And I know that the Father in Heaven was my Father. I've known that since early childhood that God was watching after me. I wasn't serving Him. I wasn't following Him. But I knew He was there always. I knew he was there because he's a father to the fatherless. He's a husband to the widow. He takes care of the poor and the broken and the contrite. And he wants us to surrender. And as we stand, that's what resist means. It means we're standing in the truth. We're standing with Christ. We withstand the power of the devil by standing with God, by submitting to God, by asking God, how do I obey you? Give me strength to follow you. I want to be like you. That should be an automatic desire of somebody who knows Jesus because of the spirit that lives in us, that we would want to do the things of God. We would want to draw near to him. Now, we can let our flesh take over. We can let the flesh and the world and the desires and be right back in our pride and he'll resist us. Just as we resist the Holy Spirit, he can resist us. Look at this. I might just spend the night on this. I think I'll just spend the night on this. Listen to me. Therefore, what's it there for? Because we have pride in our hearts. He actually has said in, in chapter 4 there, you ask but you ask amiss. You're asking for the wrong reasons. You're asking, do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Think about that. On your own self. How many people in the church today say prayers just to get what they want for themselves? All they're worried about is self. Christ died so that we would not worry about self. Christ died so that we would seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and know that all these other things would be given to us. And yet most of our prayers are just for our own pleasures. Oh, give me a better job. Can I get a pay raise? I want to buy more. How about more, God? How about we surrender and not keep asking amiss just so we can get what we want? Mm. Listen, therefore, subject yourself to God. Isn't that original sin? Eve did not want to subject herself to the word of God. She chose the devil. Instead of resisting the devil, she resisted the spirit of God, the work of God, the person of God in the garden. And she chose to listen to the liar. Now, in order for us to be delivered back into the Father's house and to live for him and be the people of God that he wants us to be the children, we have to switch that. And he gives us his blood. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his power. He gives us his word. He gives us his instruction. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And we have to begin to say, Lord, give me a desire to humble myself. Give me a desire to trust your word. Give me a desire to hupotasso, to abide under your word, to abide under the conditions. Listen, see, sometimes pain comes and you abide under it until God has his perfect work in your heart. Sometimes that, that there's a need that comes up and you abide under it and you wait for God to bring it. And then you get to see his faithfulness. Hupotasso, you abide under the character and the nature and the will of God. And while you're abiding under God's word, you know what you're doing? You're resisting the devil. But you have to get your eyes focused on God Almighty and do what he's called you to do. And then you're standing with truth. You're standing with what he's doing. You're standing on a firm foundation. And at the same time, you're resisting the devil. He has to flee. His whole character, his whole nature, everything about his evil, unrighteous self has to flee. He can't stand before truth. It exposes him. Remember, Jesus caused him to flee, Matthew 4, just by using the word of God. Just stand on the truth of God. And he caused him to flee, to flee. Look at this. The devil is the slanderer, the false accuser. He caused him to run away, to vanish. He cannot handle truth. He cannot handle righteousness. He cannot deal with God. He can't stand before God. He's been kicked out of the presence of God. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Look at that. That's a love relationship. Draw near to God. Listen to this, what it means. This is how relationship happens. This is how the marriage is being consummated and happening. Listen, draw near. You know what the word draw means? To drag. Beat your body in subjection and drag it near to God. It means to drag. It's akin to a word that means to take for oneself, to prefer or to choose. Listen, choose to drag yourself before God. The problem is, is there are so many other things that people want to draw near to. They want to draw near to the entertainment centers. They want to draw near to their phone. They want to draw near to everything under the planet except for God. Don't make us stand before the great and awesome burning mountain, Moses. We'll come to you, but we don't want to come to God. We'll read the books, but we won't read the Bible. We'll listen to some Christian music that sounds real fluffy, but we will not worship you, God. We will draw near to everything except for God. And he says, drag yourself. See, self doesn't want to be there because self knows he will die if you get him there. See, this word, this book, the worship of this God, this truth will kill sin in your life, will make the devil flee, but the devil and sin will also kill this book in your life, will kill this word and kill this relationship. So you have to beat your body into subjection. You have to drag yourself to God into his presence and say, here I am, Lord, 
Send me. Change me. Look at this. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Listen, this is speaking like the priestly, where they had to wash their hands and, and, and get themselves right before they could come before God. And we're believer priests. And he says, cleanse your hands, the things that we're doing. Wash and clean them with the blood of Jesus. I mean, we still go after everything and put our hands on it that's ungodly. And then we go, why am I doing that? Well, because we're not putting our hands to what God has called us to do. To go and make disciples. To go and share the gospel. To go and be a witness. Put our hands, that's work, to the things of God. See, we're still sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace. Now we're supposed to be becoming new creations. So we have to purify our hearts. That's what he's after. That's where it's at, the, the heart. So now he has to begin to train us and change us with the word as we submit and resist. And he calls us double-minded. you know why? Because double-minded people... They hear the word of God and they go, yeah, that's what I need to do. I need to submit. And then they go away and they do something else instead of submitting. They hear it and they go, no, I think I'll do something else. It's easier. Uh, read my Bible, get into word, prayer, and fellowship. No, I think I'll read a number one bestseller about heaven and join the club down the street and go exercise. And we think that we're going to get to heaven that way. And we're not. We're not going to become Christ-like like that. We're going to become more like the world like that. See, the world will read books about heaven. The world joins the knotless clubs and works on the flesh. The world goes back to college and gets more education and thinks if I'm smarter, I'll fit in. You're never going to fit in down here if you are a citizen in heaven. This is not our home. We're not made to fit in down here. Look what he says here. Verse 9, 4, 9 of James. Lament, cry, weep, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your, your joy to gloom. In other words, he's saying these things that, that you find joy in, these things that you find laughter in, they're fleshly. You can have joy and you can have laughter, but you need to have it in the things of God, not in the things of the world. We need to cry about it, mourn about our sin, weep about our condition of our heart, our pride, and the things that we like. We should be weeping and mourning about it. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who mourn, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, he's not talking about just because you cry, you get to go to heaven. But he's talking about those who mourn and weep and lament over their sin. Mourn and weep and lament over the way they're living and humble themselves in the sight of God so that he can lift them up. And they realize that this is not our home. And these are not the things we're supposed to be entertained by. And again, he says in verse 10, humble yourselves. Wasn't that what he said back here? He said it, look, verse 6, the spirit, verse 5, the spirit dwells in us, yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. A second time, he tells us to humble ourselves, humble self. You know why? Because self is your self-life, humble self. Make self stop running your life. And let the Spirit of God run your life. Self represents flesh. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. We sing that song. He will lift you up higher and higher, up into heaven. He will lift you up. That's what He's working on, getting us across the finish line. Submit to God first. Find out who the authority is. Who's your authority? Do you have any authority? 
Do you have anybody that's keeping you accountable in life? Not just God. Yeah, I, I serve God. Well, who's keeping you accountable daily? Who's keeping you accountable? If you have a Bible study, is anybody calling you? Do you call anybody and ask them? Do you get counsel? See, because the days of judges is everybody just does what's right in their own eyes. And we all think we're okay. And the, the devil has successfully decimated the church by separating it, removing it to its own private lives, and nobody's accountable to anybody. You're not the boss of me. Nobody's accountable. But we're supposed to be submitting to one another in the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, godly wisdom, not earthly, central, demonic wisdom, godly wisdom. And yet we don't submit to one another. We don't even like to be corrected by another. And the Bible says he who eats correction is stupid. If you hate correction from the word of God, you're stupid. Brutish in the King James, but it means stupid. We just don't want to be corrected. In fact, reproof and correction is the way of life. We're told in Proverbs 6.23. It's part of what's going on in the sanctification process. But we hate correction. We hate to submit. We don't want anybody to be the boss of us. Not even God. And therefore, we resist him. Just like our fathers did, our natural fathers, we resist the Holy Spirit. No different than the nation of Israel. We made up our own little religious system. We made up our own religious gurus. We made up all these new books that we write, and we make the Word of God to no avail when we should be coming before God. We should be hupotasso, submitting to God. And as we stand with God and for God, and learn to be accountable to one another, we can resist the slanderer. We can resist the devil. And he has to flee from us because he cannot stand before God. He's a liar and the father of all lies. And he knows he's going to be cast into the abyss. He knows that his days are short. And right now he's pumping it up. He's telling more and more lies out there. All you got to do is go ignore God and resist the Holy Spirit and sit down and watch the TV. All you got to do is go ignore God and resist the Holy Spirit and listen to the news. All you got to do is ignore God and resist the work of the Holy Spirit and we'll be just like the world, but we'll think we're the church. We'll call it, I said a prayer, I'm the church. I went to church, I'm the church. The church is the separated, the called out ones. Not isolated because he sent us on a mission to go to people. But we're separated from this world because this is not our home. And if we're submitting to God, if we're coming underneath his authority, if we're saved according to the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth because of his blood, then we begin to submit. We bow down. We don't live in our pride. We don't live in what we want to do in our desires, in ourselves. but we bow down. And God gives us more grace. Even in our sin, he gives us more grace. Even when we fall short, he gives us more grace. Paul says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. But we have to stay focused on submitting to God. What is your focus today? See, because I meet people all the time, and they go, well, I've got this one sin, and I've been, I just have always, and I've got you, and it's an addiction, and I can't stop. Well, get your eyes off of it, and get your eyes on submitting to God. Your eyes are on the devil, and you're submitting to the devil. The Bible's clear. Humble yourself in the sight of God, and he will lift you up. He gives more grace to the humble. If we humble ourselves, I guarantee you, he'll give you God's riches at Christ's expense. And he'll make you more like Jesus every single day. He'll give you a desire for his word. He'll give you a desire for his people. He'll give you a desire for lost souls. He'll give you a desire to go home and be with him instead of wanting to be down here and be a pit dweller. So therefore... 
We don't want to be like our fathers who resisted the Holy Spirit. See, that's how God's dealing with us today. I don't know if you understand this, but Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans. I will send you another, the Spirit of truth. He will be with you. See, so this is how God is dealing with us today. He takes the Spirit of truth, God, the third person of God in the Trinity, and then the Word of God, which is Jesus, the living incarnate Word, and He puts those two together to wash us and cleanse us and make us more like Christ. He's washing and cleansing the inside of us. And as He washes and cleanses the inside with the washing of the water through the Word, it makes us more of a presentable bride to Himself. Listen to me. We are at the cusp. We're at the moment of rapture of the church. Oh, I know there's people that don't believe in the rapture, but there will be a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Believe me. Because the church and all of the church age follows a wedding ceremony. And in the wedding ceremony... What happens? The first thing that happens is the groom comes and pays the dowry to purchase the bride from the father. And see, we had a father, the father of all lies. It's like he told the nation of Israel, you have a father, your father is the father of all lies. Because you do like your father does and you resist me. If, if, if God was your father, you would believe me because I come from him. And Jesus poured out his blood to pay the dowry for anybody who would believe. He's the groom. And what happens then at, in, a, in a Jewish wedding? What happens then is as soon as he pays the dowry, there's this what's called a betrothal. They're engaged, we call it today. And he goes away and he prepares a house for them to live in when they consummate the marriage. And he goes away. He sends out invitations for people. Come. Come to the wedding. There's going to be a wedding. A wedding supper of the Lamb. And the bride during this betrothal period while the husbandman, the groom, is away building the mansion in heaven. Remember that? John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. But where I go, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, I will come again to receive you to myself so you can be there. Because the groom comes back to get the bride. He's purchased. He sent out invitations. And when we choose to be the bride, then the Holy Spirit begins to adorn us. And put makeup on us and clean us up and puts us in a, in a wedding garment to prepare us for the day that he comes. And then he comes and there's a week-long wedding feast afterwards. That's the seven years right there. That week-long wedding feast is going to be God pouring out his wrath on this planet, the seven-year tribulation. While we're in heaven consummating the wedding having a banquet, eating food, and enjoying our groom who made us like him because of the spirit that we did not resist. But if we want to be like our father, the devil will keep resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. If we want to be like Christ, we have to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God in this love relationship and he will draw near to you. Listen, drag yourself to the presence of God if you have to. That's what draw near means. Draw nigh. Draw nigh. There is getting ready to be the rapture of the church. Are you ready? Humble means to depress. Listen to me. Humble means to depress. You know what that means? It's got a double meaning. It means to bow down. Proverbs 12, 25 says this. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. But a good word will lift it up. Listen, that's God again. You either depress or you get lifted up. 
And that's what happens with life. Either you bring it to God and let him lift you up because you're trusting in him, or you eternalize it and you become anxious and it brings depression into your life. And it weighs you down. And you can't handle it. And it destroys you. It's from the devil. But God says, if you will bow down to me, if you will get on your knees and pray to me, and you'll depress yourself and bring yourself low, I'll lift you up. I'll lift you up looking like my son Jesus. I'll lift you up as I conform you into the image of my son. Listen, again, everything that's going on in the person who believes in Jesus today, everything that the work of God is doing in your life today is with the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Everything that we do is the Spirit of God. We get our power, our strength, our might, our teaching, our leading, our guiding. He is the one that's washing and cleansing us as we submit to God. Today, are you looking to submit more and more? Are you looking to draw near to God and build this love relationship? Listen, if you are, the devil has to flee. He has no choice. Because he has nothing in you if God is in you and you're living by truth. Next week's scripture. Next week's scripture. Good one. It's what we need today. Next week's scripture. Colossians 4, 5. Colossians 4, 5. Next week's scripture. Here it is. Walk. It's how you live in wisdom toward those who are outside Redeeming the time. Colossians 4, 5. Listen to me. This is what we need more than anything today is how to walk in wisdom. There's a physical battle going out in the streets. There's a physical battle going on, which is actually a spiritual battle you and I know, but we don't want to get involved in the spirit or the physical battle. We want to walk in God's wisdom, not in earthly, sinful, demonic wisdom that's killing people and beating people and hurting people. We want to walk in wisdom, and we need to ask God, what does that look like today? What does that look like now? So Colossians 4, 5 is the scripture. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. We pray that you would help us to understand uh, how to submit to you and resist the devil so that he will flee. Pour out your spirit upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.